each time I think I'm doing well, there's always someone that is uh, doing better and doing something more. So it's, you know, constantly striving to, to do more to, you know, and it's, I don't think it's about the money for either of us. It's about the constant expansion. Like I just yeah. want to have multiple businesses and be successful, uh, you know, elevate my friends too, which you know, it's already starting and like get them to start businesses, get them to take that leap. And, you know, the leap is scary. Like mm -hmm. you're, you're risking everything every time. Welcome, everyone, to The Ultimate Shift. Join Ephraim Glick and leading figures in business and entertainment as they share their stories of regular people overcoming tremendous obstacles only to achieve happiness, success, and fulfillment. Are you ready to make the ultimate shift in your life? to the ultimate shift alex valley the founder of unity the drink unity in nashville alex is an entrepreneur he's doing many things he's doing something else he can't talk about today yet but that's whenever you launch that then we'll have you back to talk about that okay. but anyway alex was talking about his story and just kind of let's just start over a little bit from so you grew up in north dakota but what did, what did you on a farm which is similar to my story except just not in North Dakota. And not Amish. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Those that don't know, uh, Ephraim grew up in uh, Amish, like full on. Uh, yeah, but North Dakota is probably, like you said earlier, it's probably not that much different. <laughs> but like, so I'm, I'm interested in, in that take because you started a car dealership at 14, sold it, went to college, went to, and you traveled the world, went to, uh, ended up in California. You've also done some modeling, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, yeah. So uh, ladies, you know, here, <laughs> just check out Alex's profile. <laughs> yeah. But I'm curious what, as growing up on a farm in North Dakota, uh, which I love North Dakota, by the way, but yeah. Montana is my favorite state in the world. Okay. In the most states, people, rather, I, I, I guess. Most people go, North Dakota. Oh. Uh, and they don't really know what to say. And then they'll try <laughs> to make some light conversation by saying, oh, you have uh, Mount Rushmore there. And then I have to say, no, that's South Dakota. Dakota. And they're like, oh, what do you guys have? And I'm like, well. Fargo. Yeah, yeah Fargo. <laughs> like hunting and fishing? Yeah. Uh, cold. Yeah, yeah, it's very cold. But Montana's, Montana's beautiful too. Uh, but yeah, growing up in North Dakota, man, um, it's a good place to raise a family, that's for sure. You know, you know the Amish community. So I'm sure you could probably say the same. Like it's, it's great to understand family values and, you know, just – being a human and relating to people, that sort of thing. My town of 2000 people definitely helped me do that. Hazen, North Dakota, go Hazen. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was great for that. Also great to expand my horizons. So like you said, sold my car dealership when I was 17 and went to college, started a fiber optic communications based business, uh, sold that in gosh, 2015 or 2016. And, uh, yeah, traveled the world, lived in New York, lived in Miami for a month. Uh, if you ever live in Miami, it's like party central. It's really hard to live there. I know Nashville is like, you know, we're downtown Nashville right now. We're half a block from Broadway, but Miami, it's like you're in it no matter where you are. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, great place. party town too, though. It is, it is, it is. Um, but you can have a little bit more work-life balance. But yeah. so anyways, lived in, in Miami for a month and then London for a couple weeks and ended up in Southern California, which is my Montana. It's, it's fantastic. Really? I love, I love Southern California, specifically like Orange County, Laguna Beach, Newport Beach. Uh, it's a great time. If you haven't been there or if the listeners haven't been there, highly recommend taking a vacation there. It just doesn't feel like real life. And it's really hard to actually want to work because you got the ocean, everyone's outdoors. Everyone is great looking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's just another world. So did that. And then, you know, a year ago, uh, this Saturday, actually, 
I, on a whim, bought a house in Nashville and, and decided to pack everything in my truck and bought a trailer and moved out here. <laughs> you bought the house without looking at it, too. Bought it sight unseen. It was nice. Uh, great builder, uh, Orca Home Builders. Not to plug them, but they're great. Uh, did a great job. So I didn't have as many concerns. Brand new house. And I just decided, hey, this seems like a good investment opportunity. And yeah, so far it's appreciated enough to confirm that. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so many parts of that I want, I want to dive into too, but I, but I am curious, like you're very cultured. You're very, you've been around the world. Uh, you're, you're just, you're fun to talk to. I mean, I remember meeting you the first time. You're just an easy conversationalist. I really enjoyed meeting you. What about like when you were a kid on the farm, like what, what, what did you want to be? Like what, what made you, you know, kind of step out of that, that norm? Like a lot of kids stay on the family farm, if you know what I mean. And so like, what about you? Was it that was like, I want more. I want, you know, was it just always that you wanted more? Yeah. Great question. And thanks for that, by the way. I think it's kind of what we were talking about before we actually started this podcast. It all started with, with cars. Funny enough. Um, you know, Ephraim and I both have a love for, for vehicles. And when I was starting to flip cars and before that dirt bikes and jet skis and things, I just wanted, you know, a nicer thing. I was like, you know, I have to trade up. I want to be able to afford you know, this R8 in the future or the F12 Ferrari. And in order to do that, I have to keep hustling. So really it started with, with cars. And I grew up, you know, kind of middle class, maybe even lower middle class, um, which in North Dakota is, is fine. Like everyone's kind of roughly on the same page, but I, you know, grew up at times not having money. And I was like, I really want <laughs> to be able to mm -hmm. afford whatever it is that I want, whether it's a, you know, a month long vacation across Europe, uh, which was not in the cars for me growing up or, uh, you know, an F12 Ferrari. Yeah. So I wanted, I wanted to have those nice things. And, you know, after selling uh, my business, I kind of traveled the world and, and lived that I spent a lot of money in, in Manhattan, living in some great spots and, and going and seeing some great, uh, you know, restaurants and going to the nicest gyms, the nicest, everything that I could. And just understanding how I guess the other half lives, uh, at one time in New York, I'll never forget this. I had dinner with, uh, a really uh, wealthy, wealthy person. There was there were five of us at this dinner table. Uh, Calvin Klein was the person not to <laughs> really. Yeah, yeah, it was bizarre. Um, at Catch in New York, and yeah, friend of a friend. And so I'm sitting there talking to him. I'm kind of enamored, anyways. Like, holy shit, this guy's built a, a really <laughs> big business, of course. And uh, and he, we were talking about you know uh, wealth in New York, and I said something about uh, you know someone that has a billion dollars. I said, Oh, this guy, you know, is a billionaire. That's, that's great. And he said, he's just a single billionaire. That's nothing in this city. And I was just that's like, insane. what? I have no idea what money is. I do not understand wealth mm -hmm. uh, for someone to shit on just being a single billionaire. It's crazy to me. Uh, and then I just met, you know, some great people and realized how the other half really lives the 1% of the 1% and was like, ah, I'd love to do that. And you can, you can do so much with that, whether it's giving back, whether it's starting other businesses or simply like me, one of the hardest parts of entrepreneurship is, is the funding to do it. It's really tough to, to raise money without being in that, uh, you know, Silicon Valley boys club of going to, you know, an Ivy league school or having, you know, parents that, you know, have that wealthy connect connection or network. I don't have that. So it's, you know, to me raising, because we raised uh, just over a million dollars last year, was really fucking difficult to do. Mm -hmm. um, it was really tough. You're selling your idea to someone else. Yeah, yeah. And it's, um, you know, they're like, why you? You don't have the track record to do it. 
And I'm like, trust me, I will outwork any person that might have the track record to do it because I'm hungrier than them. Like mm-hmm. I, I have a need and I, like I, I will not quit. Um, and I put all my money into it personally. Like I've, you know, look at this, you know, look at our balance sheet. Look what I have personally put in. I'm all in on this thing. Yeah. Um, so kind of conveying that to those people, but yeah, just, uh, you know, traveling the world, seeing other cultures made me realize just how many opportunities, how much opportunity there is out there. And, uh, yeah, I was like, you know, being on the farm is great. You learn hard work and it's a, you know, it's a lifestyle for some people, but I just want to see, you know, take some big risks and see mm-hmm. how they could pay out 10 years from now. That's what I did. Yeah, that's, I, I get it, man. Like for, I feel like we, we both, like you had a dream and I had a dream and then I feel like we both, both had to do it without our parents. Yeah. And that's tough. And it's, it's like this thing of like, they say, you know, to, I realized a long time ago, like there's this thing where people either inherit money or you, you're given a trust fund or something, which is in essentially yeah. or you're in the, inheritance. In, you know, you have a network of, of people that can somehow help you raise money. So even if you don't inherit it, like maybe your parents know someone super wealthy right. or you go to an Ivy League school and, you know, because of that Connections. around. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think it, it sounds like we both missed on that. I or it's just that. you work hard. Yeah. Yeah. So all we could do is work yeah. hard as hell. And yeah. yeah, further, it's not like we didn't, didn't just have our, we didn't just miss out on not having our mom and dad helping us. My whole family, like, you know, I was out alone. Um, Same. You know, moved to New York without knowing a single person. That's crazy. Yep. Uh, you know, and like, but the crazy ones get rewarded, like, you know, trying to describe it to people, you know, like being in Miami, let's say where there's, you know, everyone is having a great time being by yourself and, you know, knowing not a single person and just walking down the strip and being like, I guess I'm going to go have to make some friends. Um, you know, it's tough, but to get out of your shell and to go do those things that make you uncomfortable to then, you know, I guess, help yourself level up or advance yourself and not even just, you know, financially, which, you know, it sounds like we've both done, but also just socially, um, right. you know, and opens you up culturally to other people that you may not have ever talked to. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was great for me, but it's tough as hell to, to take that leap, uh, to go do something. The unknown is, is scary, but rewarding. I feel like in order to do that, you have to, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is how I found it, because I was reflecting about this yesterday with a friend of mine, and I was like, you know, I had to, when I left the Amish, which is a little bit more extreme, I guess, but like, I, I, did, I had zero support. There was nobody, at that moment, there was nobody in this world. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anyone in Nashville when I moved here, and there's zero support. There's nobody in my life anywhere that said, what you're doing is a good idea. Yeah. And I feel like in order to do that and maybe to leave North Dakota and the farm and your family and everyone, everyone and everything, you know, there has to be a sense of, I don't really give a shit what anyone thinks about me. Of course. And I I, I still don't. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but is that something, do you think that's something that the, the crazy entrepreneurs all, all share? Like, is, is that a thing? Do you feel like that's a part of what you have to have to, in order to achieve any attain any level of success success can be whatever you decide it is for you but yeah i think i've always kind of been a nomad and kind of uh always done my own thing um you know some people like it some people follow some people don't don't understand me and that's fine it sounds like you probably have done the same thing um i've been called crazy more than saying i'm like <laughs> that's fine i mean i'll take it yeah, yeah yeah and it is crazy to you know basically have some success and take all of your nest egg and put it into one thing that you know, 
you know nothing about, like starting a beverage company. I, I'm not from the space. I walked into a grocery store and saw CBD for the first time. And I was like, okay, you know, I couldn't bring that into, you know, this, this meeting that we're sitting here, you know, if mid podcast, maybe a couple years ago, I dropped, you know, some tincture of some shit that you didn't know what it was in my mouth. You would be like, what is he doing? It'd be weird, but I can bring unity in here and it's cool. It's conversational. Even if you, you know, don't know that I'm the founder, you know, it's this cool looking thing. Uh, it's fun, bright colors, tastes great. And you know, helps you helps you calm down. And, Tastes amazing. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So, so, so when you when you got into Unity, it was it was like a droplet still. Like CBD oil was being sold because I, I remember the day you bought that little container with the droplets. Yeah, that's how people. Yeah, so that's what I saw. I, I saw that, and I I tried some. I was really like, I don't know if this stuff's gonna work for me. And I looked at the price and I bought some Charlotte's Web, I remember, and it was like $180 uh, for this one thing to try to see if I liked it. And I was like, God, that's a... That's that a little really droplet good. container. Yeah. Thing. What the, do you call it? tincture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tincture. Yeah. The little dropper on top. Yeah. And uh, I did it. But I was like, God, I mean, no one in you know my neck of the woods would do that. And across the U.S., I bet most people won't. And this is also 2017, 2018. And so I tried it, uh, you know, didn't think it was going to work. And when it did, I was like, holy shit, there's something here. How can I help bring this to the masses? And I started doing more research and seeing um, some of the, you know, science and some of the studies on, you know, kids with epilepsy and some seriously debilitating diseases that I can't make claims on, of course, but um, some really crazy, interesting things. I said, okay, what if I was one of the people that helped, you know, being on the forefront, uh, helped bring this to the masses and I could be on the forefront of doing that? You know, make it cool, make it this thing that, you know, kind of the masses are drinking and, and the cool crowd is drinking, uh, like my friends, so that it's more PC for my grandparents, you know, that actually need it in North Dakota that needed a lot to consume it for some of their seriously, you know, more serious diseases. So, so I, I did just that. So when you first took it, what were you trying to cure and how did it help? Uh, so for me, I was just stressed and anxious. Um you know, it's, it's a trait of the entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it, it was for me, I was like, what am I going to do next? You know, it's been like two years and I haven't done anything. I was doing some like, you know, modeling and acting and stuff and that was picking up. Um, but I was like, okay, you know, I, I, I'm a business guy, you know, I, you know, with acting and modeling, you're kind of sitting back and waiting for reality to happen to you because you, you can't, you know, like you do more auditions, you know, mm-hmm. it, you know, you're just kind of waiting for your lucky break entrepreneurship is very like if you work really hard this is you know probably going if you can outwork the competition and be you know strategic about it you probably have a a chance at doing some really crazy successful things you know and even you know a business that's not as complex as like a beverage company like if you started a business mowing lawns or something you know simple like your work equals the results it's Mm -hmm. not you know it's not like oh this might fail it's like no you can decide yeah you can decide your future then you get some other people underneath you and, you know, then you have employees and you can still like dictate what your future based on, you know, the work, the work you put in will equal the results you get out. Right. Uh, so the entertainment space is not that, um, it's tough. I mean, Nashville's filled with musicians, super tough. There's a, there's a ton of talented people. You go downtown, you see so much talent, but they're just waiting to be discovered. And mm-hmm. then, you know, they really don't have any or as much control as, you know, I would like to have on that discovery. So I decided to, uh, yeah, start a beverage company, knew nothing about it, just went for it, man, you know, and it proved to be successful, but 
everyone was like, what are you doing? You're not from the space. You have no idea how this stuff works. I mean, you know, the back end logistics are crazy to, to make this happen. And so I just said, I'm going to figure it out. And I think I, you know, just outworked other people that were in the space. There's some heavy hitters in the CBD beverage space, some former Red Bull, Coca-Cola, Anheuser-Busch execs that are, you know, top guys. Some of my competitors have raised, you know, six to $12 million and we're out executing them just because we're willing to work really? harder. It's, yeah, it's crazy. Um, and I think we have a, a better product than, than most, uh, taste wise, effect wise, kind of branding wise. Um, you know, we always have more CBD, not always, but generally, and we have, you know, the adaptogens in there too. So Low not, to, not to sell you, yeah, not to sell you on the product, but we, you know, we're product first and, you know, I first made a great product and now we're, you know, out there executing and soon we're going to raise some money. You know, our next round, we're, we're just about to open, hoping to close that sometime early next year. And then, uh, yeah, add fuel to the fire, get it in every, every place in Nashville. And, and, uh, I guess we're across the U S in, in 30, Two states now, so uh, that's get it incredible. Everywhere. And you knew nothing about the beverage industry, not a fucking at thing. all. That's not see, that's the cool thing about entrepreneurship, though. Like, yeah, at who's somebody said it? Oh, well, I forget who it was, and I was like, and he was like, anything. Maybe it was Elon Musk, but anything you want to learn, you can learn anymore. And it's you're never done learning. Like, if you're 50 years old and your current business fails, you're you can look at you. Yeah, uh, how old is Unity? it's uh i guess three years old now so three years in three years you you created something massive yeah and, and it's it's so crazy to me how how if, if you're just willing to pivot and adapt and adjust you can pretty much do anything you want to do absolutely it's just scary it's and it's all about your risk tolerance uh i like elon musk for example you know when uh tesla what was this four four or five years ago i mean now he's the wealthiest person on the planet right mm -hmm. but four or five years ago tesla was uh desperate for for cash and it's famous, famously talked about in interviews that Elon tried to get an interview with uh, uh, Tim Cook at Apple, and Tim Cook wouldn't take a meeting. And it was already a big company. Tesla was already huge five years ago, uh, but they were just running out of cash. And it's you know it takes a special type of company to be able to uh, acquire a company like Tesla. So Apple was one of the few that actually had the the balance sheet to do it. Tim Cook wouldn't take a meeting, so Elon Musk poured all of his money, if I'm remembering this right, into Tesla, um, which is crazy when you're thinking about how much money he poured in, uh, you know, because he has a pretty interesting track record of successful businesses. But when when you say he went all in, you're talking like hundreds of millions of dollars, mm -hmm. where you're like, you know, he was he was broke for a second, and now that's five years ago. He was yeah. broke, and now he is the wealthiest person in the world. <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, by a long, by a long shot too. And we'll see how this podcast ages. Maybe it'll change drastically. You know, but, <laughs> I think Elon Musk is going to be fine. <laughs> I think so too. He's taking care of himself, but he's also not interested in money either. Yeah. He's interested in, you know, like continuing to grow himself, uh, you know, of course his businesses, um, you know, and explore space and all these other interesting things. So it's not always about the money and it's not really for me. You know, it's just about like continuing to grow and continue to build all these other things, which is why, like you mentioned, I'm you know, starting a, another business on the side too that I'm excited to talk about in six months when, they, when that launches. <laughs> we'll have you back. <laughs> you know what's you know what's interesting to me is like how people perceive money because I remember like I had a level of success and then I lost everything and then then I'm you doing what everything. I'm doing. Now. I lost. Let's, every, let's dive into that. 2018, okay. I lost. Everything Let me hear. Let me I, hear to the more. point I had the I had one truck. The repo man was looking for my truck. 
No shit. No shit. Uh, so straight what, up. What what happened there? So, How did that... I, I sold a, a business in 2016 and went into business with another guy who really about the only time I've ever done a done a partnership, I guess, besides I have a partnership in a company in Florida right now, which is working fine. But but yeah, he took everything I had. I mean, basically he couldn't do the company without my uh without my financials and my expertise, he could have never have done it. And then but then my deal was 90 days in and long story short, after my 90 days, I was supposed to be on as a consultant. Plus I owned a portion of the company. When 90 days in, he fired everyone I hired and, and we had done tremendously well in 90 days. And anyway, uh, he lost the company. I told him, I said, you're not going to be in business for five months. And he wasn't, but like, but it cost me everything, credit, everything. Cause I, I put every, I went all in. Went that's all in, that's how I do any, do any business I do. And so, but it's, you know, bringing that into the, to the money topic, it's at a certain level of throughout my career, you know, I've, I've always had what I call comfortable success, which is like, you're not going hungry. You can kind of get what you want and you, but you, but you're not really growing. So think of it as a thermostat a idea of like a temperature with your bank account. Sure. And now like I've way, way surpassed those things. And I, and, and it still doesn't seem like a lot of money to where if you told me in 2018, that I would be, uh, not that I'm, I'm worth so much money or anything, you know, but, but I, I, I get to live my life intentionally. However I want to live my life, I can sure. live. However much I want to travel, I can travel. And, but it doesn't seem at, at some point in my life, it would have seemed like a lot of money. Now it doesn't. It's all and, relative. Yeah. yeah. And, and to your Calvin Klein reference there. And, and I heard uh, this journalist was doing an interview with Elon Musk one time and he was like, you know, how much, did you did you know that your your space first rockets are going to blow up? And he's like, well, well, yeah, you know, we have estimated an X amount are going to blow up. And he's like, well, how much money did you, does it cost to you know build one that then blows up? He's like, well, you know, a couple million dollars or something, whatever it was. And Joe's like, Jesus, like that's so much money. He, and Elon just kind of chuckles. He's like, yeah, well, yeah, it depends how you look at it. And I was like, yeah. that stuck with me. And I was like, how do you do that? How do you justify in your head? I guess what a lot of money is or what, what not, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's something I think a lot about It's like, I think it's perception, man. It is. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be someone that has more money True. and there's always going to be people that have less too. Um, <laughs> you know, I've, I've met a lot of really wealthy people that, you know, you don't even realize how wealthy they are until you start digging into it. And you're like, Oh my God, like, you know, if I made a hundred thousand dollars a day, it would take me years to even come close to your wealth, mm -hmm. which is, you know, it's all about framing. I mean, there's the Elon Musk's wealth right now. If you made, uh, God, I'm going to mess this up. But if you made $10,000 a day, uh, every single day, you would it would have been like the 1500 or something. I want to see something like that, that you would have to go back to, to actually equal his wealth. I'm, I'm butchering it, but it was, you know, putting it in perspective like that, like, uh, you know, famously been said about billionaires, like if, if they dropped a hundred dollar bill, like Elon Musk, it wouldn't actually be worth his time to pick it up that's how wealthy you are. And you're like, Oh my God, you put it into that perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Wealth each time I think I'm doing well, there's always someone that is, uh, doing better and doing something more. So it's, you know, constantly striving to, to do more to, you know, and it's, I don't think it's about the money for either of us. It's about the constant expansion. Like I just yeah. want to have multiple businesses and be successful, uh, you know, elevate my friends too, which you know, it's already starting and like get them to start businesses get them to take that leap. And, you know, the leap is scary. Like mm -hmm. you're, you're risking everything every time. Um, you know, my next business, I'll do the same thing. So I could go yeah. to zero at any given time, yeah. 
but uh, Same. I could also go to a hundred million dollars, you know, so that's the, the upside. And most people are terrified of the fact that they could, and statistically speaking, might, uh, probably will go to zero. But like you've shown, you can bounce back, you know, it's been less than four years and look at you now, like, you know, you're, you're crushing it. It's the best thing that ever happened to me because a part of me was like, you know, I've never had to hide my truck from the repo man before. Right. So, <laughs> it's a true story, man. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, and, and I'm like, now it's like, it's no, it doesn't matter what level of success, if you want to call it that, let's just, since we're talking about money, it doesn't matter what level of money I'm making. It's never enough because I think about like, how can I put more distance between that repo guy and me to never end up in that situation? Sure. Now, I, there's no way it could happen because I, I pay for my stuff in cash. And but it's like it doesn't matter how much you have. You realize that it can all go. You know what I mean? And, and that was a really good thing for me. And the, the best part about starting off like you or I started out is we started with nothing. So if you start with nothing, you don't ever have to fear that because, yeah, you know, you, you know, can it's all, like that's what motiv it motivates yeah. me every day to, you know, never go back there. But. I've already lived there comfortably. And I know how that is. Yeah. God uh, forbid you do. You know how to get out yeah, of it. It's fine. I'm not, it's not gonna be a culture shock for me. It's, it's almost like, you know, what I expect when I take these big bets, like worst case scenario, I'll go back to, you know, uh, you know, start position number one, which I'm familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um, and best case scenario, I will, you know, buy a beach house in California, you know? So, yeah. uh, so that leads me to why move to Nashville from California. Was uh, it all for unity or? Yeah, no, it was, uh, actually for a girl, uh, moved here for her uh, a little bit. That happens be, a lot. To be by honest. The way. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and I, I mean, look, I was looking at houses in, uh, you know, where I wanted to be this community called Emerald Bay in Laguna beach, uh, California. I don't know. You know, most people will not know what that is, but I mean like Buffett just sold his house there, you know, mm -hmm. and that's, that's where I really want to be. Uh, it's crazy wealth. And, uh, you know, like the cheapest house there is probably like five or $6 million. And the most expensive is probably like $120 million. And, you know, that's a lofty goal, but that's one of the things that motivates me. Uh, you know, I'm like, I really want to be in this community. It's really great to raise a family. It's just a beautiful community. And so that's what motivated me. But I was looking at the cost of living there or just in general in, in California, buying a house there, what that would look like. And then buying a house in Nashville and you've been to my house, um, you know, I could have that or I could have a, you know, and you have three a nice bedroom. house. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great you. house. Uh, or I could have a two or three bedroom apartment that, you know, has a shitty view and, uh, you know, it's like built in the sixties or something, mm -hmm. you know, in LA. And so I was like, okay, I like, you know, I like taking this risk. It looks like LA is going down or did at the time when, you know, COVID restrictions were so crazy and still are. And Nashville's wide open. Everyone's moving there. I mean, every other license plate you see when you go outside is California or another state that's not Nash, uh, not Tennessee. So. Which I'm still not sure if it's good or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Roll the dice. I mean, lots of uh, corporations coming here, so it's great that's for true. your company. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'm curious. I, I don't know if you've ever talked about it on the pod, uh, you know, leaving the Amish culture, culture, not to circle back too far, but, you know, getting out of North Dakota, you, you asked me about that. I feel like it might be interesting to hear how... That is not to not just start interviewing you, but <laughs> how do you how does one lead the Amish, Amish culture, and do you kind of like have to cut ties and burn the bridges, or like you know could you ever go back? Not that you'd want to, but how does that how does that work? I don't know anyone else that's done it. So the the, the Amish culture is a very tight knit. Like 
my family still lives it. Uh, I have brothers and sisters who still live it, despite the options. I was a black sheep of the family, so I was the new guy to do it. So I was, I was practically. Thank God, my parents never disowned me, but but we didn't have a good relationship for four or five years. Like they they just were like, you know, why are you doing this? Like this is ridiculous. Sure. That's all they know. And I, and I get that. It's all they know. Like yeah, and and your entire family. You raise your kids in one way, you know, and I often think about that. Like if I had kids, like let's say I wanted to teach them about entrepreneurship and, and what I know and what I think is good and right and, you know, just, if you will. And they just chose a completely different path. I'd be like, damn, you know, it sucks. Yeah. And I, and I think of that from the standpoint of me and my, I have a phenomenal relationship. My mom, my dad are some of my best friends to this day now, but, but it took them time to, to understand like why, but, but it was like, there is no such thing as, I think I've told this story before, but if I'm like, when I was 13, I, I wanted to, you basically get out of school when you're 13. Like when you're eighth grade, you're out, you're done. Like, cause they're, they're teaching you how to grow up and be a farmer essentially. Yeah, yeah. And so when I was out of school at 13, I remember calling our neighbor and I was like, and I, and I had cell phone that I bought yeah, and stuff. I, I used say, to sell rabbits. You and, can. You yeah. can have a cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> one of the big Nokia's. The things. Don't no one phone. ever called me, but I thought it was cool to have it. And I called him and I was like, hey, you know, can you take me to town? And the two places, I knew of tractor supply company because my dad would go, if you know what that is, like yeah, a yeah. farm store. Of course. And of course you do. You know, <laughs> yeah, North Dakota. That's all so, <laughs> so uh, uh, I was like, you know, can you take me to town? He's like, why are you wanting to go to town? I said, I'm, I'm leaving home. And he's like, doesn't work that way and i was like i'm leaving and he's like well i'm not going to take you to town first off uh, because he's like, where are you going to go and i said i don't know and he said what are you going to do and i said i'm going to work at tractor supply company and he said and this is how little you know like i i'll never forget he said you can't and i said yes i can i i can yeah i can i can do whatever i want to do and um yeah you're naive at that age and he's like no you you literally can't like labor laws, labor laws. And he said, also, you can't buy a car and you can't rent an apartment. You're 13. And that was a, that I, I never knew that. Yeah. That was a first, it blew my mind. I was like, fuck. I remember like I've been working hard every single day. And you're telling me I can't, can't make $10 yeah. an hour to go do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I remember sitting there just being like, so drained. I was like, I was like, well, when can I do He's like 18. I'm like five more years. Like, there's no way. And I almost gave up, you know, and I think that's just the thing like where I was like, well, shit, I guess I might as well be Amish. Yeah. And, but I was just never, I always wanted more. I was always a guy getting in trouble. I got, I got my ass handed to me, whipped, spanked at school. That was, we still got spanked. And then I'd get my ass beat at home because I got my ass beat at school. And so I was that <laughs> kid. I got in trouble with church because I just, I just, I never did anything. Whatever I was told to do, I did the opposite. And finally, when I was 18, I, I went to a horse show with my dad and my brother. And I'll never forget that moment. Like we were in Lexington, Kentucky. Me and my brother had moved up to Pennsylvania uh, where we have a lot of family. We just had better job opportunities. So we lived together up there and we had, had a taxi bring us to Lexington, Kentucky. Ta like, yeah, taxi. Yeah, like a, they have taxis to like that hall, Amish people specifically, like elderly people. We call them taxis, but they're elderly, elderly people and they just want to make some cash and, you know, okay. they'll drive you here and there. Yeah, yeah. And my parents lived about three hours into Kentucky. So they already lived here in, in, in Kentucky. And so um, I was at that sale and I realized, like, if, if I don't leave now, I'm never going to leave because I wanted to come to Nashville. Yeah. But and I you didn't were, know. You were 18? I was 18. Okay. Yeah. And so um, I, I just had that internal battle. I was like, if I don't, 
if I don't leave, like right now, like this is never going to happen for me and I'm going to live my life like a fraud. And so, so I made a call to uh, an elderly gentleman in, that was neighbor to my parents in Kentucky, uh, if you can follow along. And, and I used to help him do some landscape work when I was younger. And, and, so I, and he was non-Amish. So I called him. I was like, hey, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, do this thing. And he knew. He was the only person I'd ever told. He used to let me drive his truck and stuff. And, uh, you know, that was... And he, was he championing it? Was he like, you should do it? Go check, test it out? He was, always, he was always uh, like, is this really what you want to do? He was never like, go for it or don't go for it. You know, he was always like, is this what you want to do? Just know it's going to be hard, whatever, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And so he said, is this really what you want to do? And I said, yeah, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. And he said, okay. He said, well, I'll pick you up at the bus station. And so I, I didn't tell anyone. I just peaced. He's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's crazy. And then did they not talk to you then after that? I mean, cause you know, uh, so I had a cell phone at the mm-hmm. time and uh, my dad got that number through people or something. He called me the next day and he's like, I've, I've, this is going to sound so crazy to you. People laugh at me when I tell the story, but like, so yeah, I had a bowl cut my whole life, right? Like yeah, long, me too, long hair. <laughs> yeah. So, so I go, the first thing I did, I, I, I hired a literal taxi in Lexington, called him and was like, I had $843 in some sense in my pocket. I'll never forget. I was like, I'm going for it. I got enough money to get to Nashville. And, um, and so I, I hired this taxi. I said, take me to a barber and do it right. Yeah. And and we got rid of it. And so I remember my dad called me. He's like, we got church tomorrow. You can come, you can come go with us. We'll pretend this never happened. I'm like, I, I, this is all I said. I said, dad, I got a haircut. He's like, Oh no. Like that was the big thing. Like a haircut. <laughs> he was like, he's like, Oh no. Cause I can't take you to church. Like looking like Look that. Like yeah, that's yeah. never going to work. Some gel in your hair. No way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's like, he's like, we'll figure this out. Just, you know, and I'm like, we'll no. figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get you a wig or something temporarily. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, that's how I did it. I just, uh, and it, here that's we are crazy. Well, so you're used to taking big risks, you know, but that's hard. Um, you know, that was starting tough. A business is hard. It would also be hard for me to, uh, you know, work as a laborer for you. It would be hard in general to, you know, go to work at one of the offices here, one of the hospitals and, you know, uh, do marketing for them or whatever I would do and make, uh, you know, a comfortable, but lower salary. Like it's, yeah. it's all difficult. It's difficult to answer to people. It's difficult to leave your family. It's difficult to start something, but we all choose our, our, you choose your heart. Like, yeah. you know, you're, yeah. everyone's, everyone's busy. Everyone's going to have a, a lot on their plate. Um, we just chose to, you know, be at the top of the company and, yeah. and have the most, most risk to do that. Like leaving our families is a lot of risk starting right. a business. Um, yeah, so I think not- entrepreneurs are just willing to make those crazy leaps. It's not necessarily more difficult. It's all like everyone's life is difficult. Um, you know, sometimes it's a little bit more difficult, but it's because we're willing to take those huge bets on ourselves mm-hmm. and those huge risks that uh, is why we get rewarded. That's why Elon gets rewarded. And that's why we, maybe not as much as Elon get rewarded. Yeah. Maybe one day. Yeah. Well, and I think it's not for everyone. You know, that's, that's something that, that I struggle with in, I did consulting. Uh, I had very, fast success i guess when i relaunched what i'm doing right now and i say that but you're you got to think of all the eight years i had prior you know i now knew what to do what not to do sure uh but and i gotta ask a lot to do a lot of consulting and and i did and i I stopped now because it's just 
I don't have time. And, and it's not something that I enjoyed, honestly, because sure. I've found that we live in a world where everyone, it's cool to be an entrepreneur. You know, everyone's an Instagram entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. Or TikTok entrepreneur. I see yeah. all these clips uh, yeah. and I'm like, dude, you have no idea. Like you're not an entrepreneur because you're, you're a creator necessarily. You yeah. know what I mean? That you yeah. don't, and I'm not hating on them and, and be who you are and do what you're good at. Like, but it's very different than being an entrepreneur in a brick and mortar business or starting a fucking beverage company from out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I learned during consulting that everyone wants to be an entrepreneur, but nobody wants to be the boss. Yeah. And or take this, be the one that, uh, you know, if it crumbles, you're the first to go down. Well, that's basically what the boss is. Yeah. It's like, you're going to take, you know, i I paid my guys when I started my business before I got paid. If somebody didn't eat, I didn't eat. Yeah. And, and still like my, the people who, the reason I'm where I am is because I have incredible people around me oh, that help build this vision. And, and you take care of those people. And a lot of people want to be an entrepreneur because they think it's going to make them rich. They think they're going to be able to live the life they want, but they don't have to make the hard decisions. And, and I feel like what people often miss and what's not talked about enough is, and I know you can relate to this stuff is it's the many nights of sleepless nights because you're, you're almost out of cash or it's the nights that, that something you're so out of cash that yeah. you don't know what to do and exactly. your credit cards maxed out, your line of credit maxed out. You've personally put in, you know, yeah. your nest egg of yeah. worth and you're like, what the fuck am I going to do? And oh, there's been a lot of times like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. As, as has any person who's launched a company. And that's the difference in what I mean by being an internet entrepreneur uh, or a, a, an Instagram yeah. entrepreneur versus someone who's, who's had to go out there and rely on building a team and a, and a group of people. And again, not hating on those people, not saying that they, they don't earn what they have, right? but there's a difference. And, and I see entrepreneurship as something hard and chaotic. And like, in order to be an entrepreneur, you have to live with this chaotic mess in your head sure. at all times. And it's 24 seven, 24 seven. I mean, it's, it's crazy ebbs and flows. Uh, you know, I always look at like the, let's say like Ty Lopez, uh, of the world or, you know, uh, even like the Tony Robbins, like, you know, they're motivational for a lot of people, but I was always like, yeah, but what do they do? They make money by selling thing. They make money by selling the idea of entrepreneurship to you. They, and that's their way of being an entrepreneur, but they're not really like they don't, they don't. And I maybe, you know, or Tony Robbins is Ty Lopez. I don't know. Yeah. What did, what did Tony Robbins like? They own multiple companies. Actually, he started as a motivational speaker, didn't he? So he started, got his nest egg, by it maybe, maybe I'm not sure, but there's a lot of people like that, that are motivational speakers and they literally make a living by selling people on the dream of entrepreneurship. But at the start, they, they were just, you know, talking about this dream that they never actually did. Mm-hmm. And maybe now they're figuring it out. But I'm, I was always like, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, like, I trust people that have built some shit. And yeah. like, here's what I did. It was hard. Um, you know, it's going to mentally break you at times. Like, oh, my God, there have been so many times where I'm like, why do I do this? Like, I should just yeah. get rid of this. You know, and talking to some of our friends, our mutual friends, they're, you know, have a lot of conversations like that. Or even California where it's like, you know, people have a lot of success and like, is it worth it? I've, I basically shut out my friends and my family for a few mm-hmm. years to start this business. I've, you know, I've neglected things in my life that I once really valued. Uh, is this, is it worth it? Like dating? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like doing fucking anything. You know? yeah, uh, yeah. So dating, I, uh, you know, just like staying up with your friends, like, yeah. you know, uh, going on Instagram. I mean, I, you know, for the past, the better half of three years, I just, didn't do anything. I would 
work all day. I'd get up super early, hit the gym, work all day. And then it would be night and I'd watch like something on Netflix for 45 minutes and go to bed and do it again. It felt very cyclical at times. And it's like, that's almost, it's kind of depressing when you look at your life over like six months and you're like, I haven't done really anything. Yeah. And it was also the pandemic. So I felt a little bit better doing that. But yeah, cause I bootstrapped unity. Uh, we really launched in, in 2020, March of 2020. So like the worst time yeah. and I bootstrapped, it was really just a couple of us, um, you know, not paid, just doing our thing, uh, to then raise, you know, the, the money at the end of 2020. Which is, which is crazy. Like you have to really be, uh, you know, resilient and hardworking when the entire, uh, you know, the entire grocery industry shut down and all the coffee shops and places where we really, you know, make our money shut down. Like, how do you get into those then distributors? They don't know if they're going to be in business the next week. How do you convince them to, you know, buy $50,000 of inventory of your product? It's really tough. Um, but we, you know, we pivoted until we could figure that out, uh, got creative with it and, uh, you know, call them every day. Like, you got to trust me, believe in me. I will support you. Uh, yeah. Entrepreneurship is, is crazy and it breaks people all the time and it's damn near broken me a few times. Um, so when you're going into that, you have to, uh, understand that that's a, a possibility. You can, you know, lose everything, you know, all of your money financially, you could lose everything, but also like mentally and emotionally, it can break yeah. you as a human. Yeah. So sometimes hey, it's, you got to be ready for it. And I think like to your point earlier about these people teaching people about the entrepreneurship, Ty Lopez, for one, for instance, like flashy. Yeah. That's not entrepreneurship, man. Like, you know, it's it tough. can be maybe, yeah. maybe towards the end. Yeah. But I feel like that's what's being sold to a lot of newbies and they don't understand that you're not going to have that Ferrari the first year or probably yeah, not. The you first see five the, or 10. you see the, you know, light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. You see yeah. like. And I mean, some entrepreneurs have done really well and do have flashy things like, you know, yeah. I, I really like cars and I will have a very nice car within the next year, but it's not, you know, cause I want to be flashy and want to sell someone on my program. It's because I want to reward myself because yeah. Yeah, I'm like, fuck this. I work so hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I earn this. <laughs> that's, that's exactly how I feel. How have you found Nashville as a whole? Like there's, I, you know, I talk to a lot of people and I interview a lot of people and Nashville is kind of known as this party town, but you coming from LA or California, how have you found Nashville as a whole? Like, do you, do you find, I've heard people say there's a lot of fake people here. I've heard people, but I found Nashville to be our initial, you have some of the same friends as I do. And I found it to be a very supportive a uh, place for entrepreneurship. Yeah, we have a lot of the same friends. We have a lot of incredible people yeah, and friends think, in this uh, town. Yeah, the difference between LA and Nashville, there's a ton of them, but Nashville feels like more like my small town in North Dakota. If I, you know, meet someone out, I'm always connected to them by like five people in some mm-hmm. way. Um, you know, like meeting you, like we, you know, we have uh, probably like 20 mutual friends in common mm-hmm. um, and many more that are like friends of friends. Everyone is connected in this city. Um, there are some fake people. I'd say LA is a lot more fake. Um, you know, LA has a lot of fake, but also a lot of really, really successful people that are doing crazy, interesting things. Nashville has a a decent amount of, of that. Um, everyone knows everyone. Everyone's just kind of, you know, trying to, to better themselves. And there's an, you know, there's like someone new that moves to the city from somewhere interesting Mm -hmm. or, you know, somewhere every single day that I seem to, to meet. Um, yeah, Nashville feels like a small town. It's definitely growing a lot. Um, and it seems like a nice balance between some of the massive cities I've lived in and some of the smallest. It's kind of, you know, 
you have everything you need. Uh, the nightlife is, is fun. Like, you know, going out, you can meet people. It is a lot of fun, very different than LA, but a lot of fun, but it's not as, you know, chaotic as LA. It doesn't have as big as swings. doesn't have as big of, you know, disingenuous people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also doesn't have those like that 18 year old that just sold his business for like 50 million as much as yeah. LA. And you're like, yeah. what? <laughs> you're an yeah. NFT artist and you just sold a, a painting to, you know, Sotheby's like, you know, what? <laughs> like that, that was, that's kind of the crazy part of LA, but yeah, Nashville's a really good spot to live. It has everything, everything, everything you need. And it's a nice mix. Of everything. Do you think that you end up back in California for sure? For sure. I don't know, man. Or do you uh, think I'm so that- spontaneous that, you know, I could go to, Charlotte and be like, oh, this is the spot. I'm going to buy a house here and move here for a year. Really? Out. I, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, like I, I could go somewhere I've never gone before, even a new country and be like, sweet, let's do it. I'm That's just, awesome. I'm spontaneous. I'm always about expanding. I do like California for that reason, but Nashville's becoming that too. And there's still a lot of Nashville that I have to explore. So until then I'll be in Nashville. Do you think California will pull through this pandemic thing and come out okay on the other side? Yeah, California is uh, always going to be okay. Everyone, you know, likes to hate on California and some of the politics there. But man, it's a, it's a great spot. Just like New York City, I mean, like those two places, it's it's tough to compare anywhere in the world to, um, you know, New York. You could go, like, we could go meet the right people and you know, like, make an insane salary in private equity or VC or something just because we know the right person, we're willing mm-hmm. to work. LA, it's like, you know, you can meet some just crazy people that will change your life um, that you never really, you know, even expected just casually. Uh, so it's like a, you know, it's just a melting pot, both of those cities for, um, you know, success. And it's also really tough. Like it's really expensive in both cities, really hard to break into, you know, those social circles or, or make, you know, lifelong friends. And it's really fast paced. So there's definitely some, some setbacks to them. I mean, it's expensive in both cities. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I could see myself bouncing around between both of them and in Nashville. We'll see what the next like couple of years brings. But the next company I'm I'm launching is launching in, in Nashville, so I'll be here for at least uh, you know a couple more years. Good, good. Shoot, that's that sounds great to me. Um, I think you're just bringing value to the city. So <laughs> trying to. Uh, what? Uh, where Where is Alex Valley in five years? In, in In Unity, where do you see Unity in five years? Good question. Um, We've always wanted an acquisition in Unity. Uh, the, the end goal has always been, uh, you know, go AB InBev um, mm-hmm. are one of those big companies that could acquire us for, you know, I mean, let's say like Coca-Cola, for example. I, I haven't looked in a while, but it was trading for 250. The market gap was like 250 billion last time I looked. Um, for them to spend, you know, $100 million is a fraction of a percentage. You know, the, it doesn't even, you know, it's a rounding error for mm-hmm. them. Um for, for me, $100 million would change my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's what my company's worth now, but the goal has always been an acquisition. Um, a lot of the big companies, Coca-Cola, Anheuser-Busch, Diageo, uh, Molson Coors, have uh, you know actually sh- explored the CBD beverage category and put a lot of money into it already, doing R&D, um, doing just different research on uh, you know which brands, that sort of thing. And I think once legality is definitive, because right now uh, we operate under the farm bill, so it makes it legal to buy, sell, consume as long as you comply with the farm bill. And, you know, we have a huge legal team to make sure that we can. But, um, you know, that gives us federal uh, or national, um, you know, legality. 
And then each state has slightly different rulings, um, so it makes it slightly different to sell in each place, but uh, we're, we're working through that too. Until there's definitive uh, you know, FDA legality and, or some of the states you know, make it kind of like um, you know, marijuana where like, you, you have to have some sort of structure on how to sell it and you know, how to tax it and that sort of thing. Because right now it's more like the wild, wild west and it's slowly becoming uh, more like, you know, strategic and I guess more uh, structured, I should say. Once it's you know definitive like that, some of these big players will will jump into the space, and at that time, I hope to you know be acquired, sell it to them. If they want me to stay on, uh, stay on for a while. If they want me to get out, it's fifty fifty. Sometimes the CEO gets fired and they restructure everything. Sometimes you know the, the founders stay on because they are like, okay, this person obviously took it from zero to this crazy number. Um, so we'll see. But that's kind of the hopefully year or two goal. And then uh, you know allows me to to focus on whatever else I want to do. I, I don't know what that looks like. Could probably be beverage. You know, maybe it's uh, another CPG consumer packaged goods company. Maybe I you know start a VC firm, raise some money, and go invest in other companies. I, you know, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I get into NFTs. <laughs> um, I'm always open to opportunity. Like I bounce around to just crazy different businesses. I think people should be all in an opportunity and, and just kind of take big risks, especially while we're young. Um, and before we have, you know, big families and, uh, you know, like if I have a family, I probably, if I had a family, I probably wouldn't take this big of risks at right. know, weekly. Um, but I have really nothing to lose. If, or if I lose it all, it's just me. Like it's only money. It's only assets. I'll get them back. Okay. I'm young, 26. I got time, but, uh, you know, 50 year old me, uh, probably in a different situation. So, Got to take those risks while, while we're young. So five years from now, I'll still be taking risks. Might be in the beverage space, but man, that's a long time. We'll see. I'll be in my 30s. That'll be... <laughs> it's not that long. I'm 36, dude. I remember like yesterday when I was 25. And you'll be in your 40s, Dan. Uh, hey, dude, you know what? People, people hate on getting older. I love it. Every year since I've turned 30 has become tremendously better. Yeah. Good. I have looked forward to my 40s. Well, and and I mean, doing the math sounds like so you lost it all around 32, 33, mm-hmm. and yeah. you're already doing better than you know, much better than the average. So that's you know, goes to show, take big risks while you're you know young, yeah. or I guess I shouldn't even say young because it's not about age. While you have you know, uh, less, flexibility, less people if, if, relying on yeah. you, and you know, less you know, less to lose. I don't know how to if, describe it. If I it. had a wife and kids, I, I, I'd have to be a lot more careful. Of course. And, and, and even with my time, like I just, I work all the time and yeah. you'd, you'd want to spend. And that's why we don't have a wife and kids yet it's because, true. you know, it's like, you know, working 16 hour days yeah. is not the best for dating or texting yeah, people exactly. back. I mean, uh, you know, just be careful that you that you don't get as independent as I am at 36, where I've still made no effort in that field. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty close there. I, you know, I, I'm loosely dating, but uh, most of the girls that I talk to are like, uh, you know, you're crazy. Yeah, you're crazy. You don't text me back ever. Uh, sometimes it'll be like three days before I text someone back, and you know, and they're like, "This isn't gonna work for me." And I'm like, "I'm sorry. You seem great. It's definitely me. Uh, I'm so sorry." But I'm, I'm trying to get better at it. It's just, you know, it's tough. Like, I'm laughing because I've been there. Yeah, you're like, you get it. I mean, when you have like fires to fight, you know, like some shit yeah. goes wrong, and uh, you know, it's your business, so it's deeply personal your life yeah and it's all the people relying on you of course yeah you have a whole team that needs you to to be there i'm not going to be you know texting some friends back like oh yeah like you know what are you up to today you know you know tell me about your you know yeah your your day-to-day uh 
Dude, you're, you're awesome, man. I, I just, I respect the hell out of you. Uh, for everyone that hasn't met Alex in this town, you should meet Alex. I mean, Thanks, you're man. a very genuine person. Uh, I, you know, you know what I struggle with sometimes and, I, and I'm coming up on time here, but I, I'll go to parties and social events and a lot of people will come talk to me just because of mutual people that they know as you'll get introduced. But I don't go out of my way to introduce myself to, to strangers enough. I don't feel like, and, and not because it's about me, but to get to know someone. But to my point, uh, when I met you, you went out of your way to introduce yourself to me. And, and, you know, there's plenty of people there you could have talked to. And, sure. and I've always appreciated that. And, and I want to learn to be more like that. So yes, uh, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're a great dude, man. I'm just telling you, cause I, I respect the hell out of you. It's probably the, uh, farming upbringing, man. I gotta say, like yeah. there's something to be said about growing up in, in the Midwest, uh, or, you know, Amish with humble beginnings and yeah. you're very you know, genuine, never really needing a lot more than connection. Yeah. Um, and then still having that, you know, that's still a part of me. So yeah. like, you know, dying to connect with people. Um, I just also am dying to build businesses and, you know, yeah, better my, myself and my friends. So, yeah, man, it's it's crazy. Uh, but <laughs> I get it. Last question. If you had the world stage and the entire world was watching and you could tell the world what you. Th- oh, my gosh, that is a that is a tough question. Uh, I think that, you know, it would it would all kind of come down to, like, get along. Um I think I've seen, you know, a lot of divide in the world, but I've also seen both sides. Like I, all my family is from, from the Midwest, like hard right. And a lot of my friends are like hard left. Um, and they all kind of want the same thing. It's just kind of like religion. It's all trying to essentially say like, Hey, be a better person. Mm -hmm. I don't want to dive into religion too much, but, uh, you know, it's like all just trying to let like, Hey, be a better person. Try to be as, as great of a person as you can help others where you can. That's kind of like the, you know, the ethos of religion politically, like, you know, people want relatively the same thing, you know, unless you get into like the, the very specifics, but you know, you don't want, you don't want people dying in the streets. Uh, you don't want like, you know, this huge divide. I just say, get along. Like if you meet someone, um, from like a, has a crazy different viewpoint than you, while you may never like fully agree with them, at least you'll understand and have that perspective and, um, you know, understand why they think the way they do. So maybe you can be a little bit more like easygoing about that or come to kind of some middle ground. I think, you know, people just, you know, like my friends and family in the Midwest are only surrounded by people like them. So it kind of becomes this melting pot and then their ideas just strengthen. But, you know, if, if a lot of them, uh, you know, met some of my, you know, very far left, very eccentric friends and sat down and actually had to have a conversation like this, I think they'd really realize like, Hey, we're all, we're all just people. We're all just trying to do our best. Um, you know, no one has terrible, generally has terrible intentions in mind. They may have different viewpoints, but if you meet them, you can understand why, like, you know, maybe they grew up Amish and like, you know, they're used to a different lifestyle, but you can still come to some sort of common ground. So I'd say, you know, long answer, but, uh, you know, great answer. we need some more unity. <laughs> I, <laughs> nice pun. You like that? Uh, yeah, I, that's what I love about podcasting. I can interview people and I have no idea what, what political standpoint they have. And I yeah. love that. 
uh, because you, everyone has value and everyone's story matters because every story is different. Sure. I would have never guessed you grew up in a farm in North Dakota when I met you. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, it's a great, it's, it's, I understand kind of why you're the, the person you are from the little that I know of you because of that. All right. Well, how can people find you, support you? You obviously have Unity. Is it just, so it's Unity Drinks, U-N-I-T-Y. You have a website for that? Or? Yeah. Well, if you've made it this far, uh, mom, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, for those of you that don't know what Unity looks like, uh, it is in a glass bottle. It has a big red U on the front of it, and we have some vibrant colors. So if you see a glass bottle with a red U, that is hopefully us, called Unity. Our site is unitywellness.co. Uh, that's .co. Uh, my email, if you want to just email me, is alex at unitywellness.co. So super easy. If you want to hit me up there. Um, Where do you hang out most, like social media-wise? Or or you just told us you don't text back. So <laughs> email. I, honestly, if I can email, I see fastest. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, email <laughs> works well. Social media, uh, big like Instagram user. Um, alex Valley there. Um, yeah, anywhere. Alex okay. Valley, pretty easy to find. So if you just... Search that. You can probably find me if you search Unity Wellness Co. on Instagram. You can find us there. Uh, yeah, We'll put all that in the show notes as well Love so it. people can click on those links. Cool, man. Hey, I've enjoyed this. This has been fun. So next time when you launch your new business, we'll just... Just come back and do the same thing. Do it again. Take up where we left off. Yeah. Hey, I love it. My, well, door, my door's you. always open. Thank you for having me too. And uh, it's really cool to hear your story. I don't know um, how many people that listen to the pod know your story in, in that much detail, but hopefully we can dive in further. I have so many questions still. <laughs> and I'm sure everyone else does too. So hopefully, I, I don't know if there's a way to leave a review on this podcast. I don't know where you all put it, but uh, if we get some, some positive reviews, Hopefully you guys can you know say hey I want to hear Ephraim's story more. And if we see that enough, then we're gonna to have to do it. Then I'm gonna to have to do a special twist where I interview you and say all right, walk me through your life. You know the trials and tribulations. I think that'd be interesting. I'll make you a deal, dude. If because uh, I'm always trying to get people to subscribe and review because I don't take sponsors for this show sure. and it's spread by word of mouth. And if ten people leave a review saying they want to know more about my story and have you interview me, we'll do it. Okay, 10. So, that's, that's, a pretty, that's pretty easy. We can get 10 people to leave yeah. reviews. Yeah, you'd that. be surprised how many people don't want to go and spend their time on reviews. Well, let's do it, guys. If you're so. listening still now, uh, <laughs> you absolutely got to go do that. Uh, his story is super interesting. And uh, as you heard from just this, this quick intro, um, and I think it'll, like an onion, there will just be so many layers. It'll be fascinating and, and educational. So let's try to make that happen. Let's get those 10. Let's see what happens. <laughs> All right, man. It's Thanks been for fun. Me. Yep. Anytime. Thanks again for tuning in to The Ultimate Shift. Look, I know life is crazy. Life gets busy. And we all kind of have an idea of where we want to go and where we want to end up. But there's so many things that come up in between. And my goal with this show is to grab one thing from every guest that we can apply to our lives that help get us closer to our end goal. You can follow me on Instagram at Ephraim Glick, Facebook at Ephraim Glick, Twitter at Glick Ephraim, or you can go to the website at EphraimGlick.com. See you next time.